Good morning. All right, I'm on. Let's, we'll go get started. Um, let's get started. We'll get started with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into class. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings that you give us, and we just thank you for the opportunity that we have still, even with everything going on, to, to assemble and worship you uh, the way we are now and to have a Bible class and to just be able to get together, even if, even if it's digitally, to to, sing, to worship you, sing praises to you, to learn about you. And Lord, I just ask that you take what we learned today and allow us to apply it, to go take it out into the world, to, to use it to bring others to you, Lord. I just ask that you be with us during this, this time with all the sickness and then the disease that is spreading with this virus, that you allow us to get through it quickly for those who are sick to, to get over it, to, to get well soon, and allow us to, to go back to to somewhat of a normal life, Lord. And I just thank you for everything you do for us. Ashley, be with us as we go through this class. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, happy Easter to everyone. I know this is a, a little different. Me and Mom were talking about it last night, and she said in all her years, this is going to be the first Easter that she has not been in the church building um, during uh, during uh, for, for services. So, it is a little different. We're getting a little better at it every every week, and and we'll go up there. Uh, just to review real quick, we this is going to be the last lesson in a series that I'm doing um, uh, on from a book that I that I read called Dangerous Prayers. And to review what we've kind of gone through real quick, the first prayer that we looked at was uh, "Make me bold," and, and the idea around this prayer is to get away from the the, the typical prayers, not that these are bad prayers, but the, the, the rut of, you know, guide, guard, direct me, you know, Lord, be with me, Lord, you know, Lord, protect me. The idea around this is to, to make us bold in the fact that, you know what, we're not always going to be protected. We're, we're going to face opposition, so make me bold in the face of that opposition. The second one we looked at was speak to me, Lord, and the idea around this one was instead of us being the ones who talk all the time when we're praying, is it for us to stop and actually listen while we pray for God to speak to us and to speak into our hearts and to move us in the, in the directions um, that he wants us to go? The third one was break my heart. And the idea around this prayer is that we allow God to influence us into the, fa into the idea of, Lord, break my heart to where the things that break your heart break my heart as well. So that way I am as, as passionate about the things that you want done, and that way we can move the, the church and the, the computer forward and move me closer to you. The one we did two weeks ago was called Search Me, and the idea around this one is for God to search our heart and, and, and kind of expose us, you know, some of the things of who we really are. The idea there is, you know, Lord, search me, look at the things, see the things that offend you that I am doing. Sometimes we can be very blind to, you know, our own sins and, and the things that we're not doing correctly. And then the last one we did last week, and I labeled this one probably the most difficult prayer, and that prayer is break me. And the idea there is the closer, when God sometimes breaks us down a little bit, it makes us more reliant on Him and makes us closer to Him. So the idea is, is to break me of the things that I either should not be doing or the things that are stumbling blocks in my life, to, to break those so that way then I am closer to you 
And then today, which is going to be the last one in this series, we are going to look at the prayer, the dangerous prayer of Sinri. And we kind of thug this one, and you can think, well, why is this a dangerous prayer? Well, if you really pray this prayer of, of sin me, you are putting your life in God's hands. Lord, send me where you want me to go. Push me or put me into the directions or the areas that you want me to be. And a lot of times this is not going to be an area we want to go sometimes or a place we want to go or, or a location we want to go or even a situation we want to be in. So that's kind of what it's going to, to be. So the idea here is you, know, you don't know what he's going to call you into when you pray this prayer. When you pray this prayer, Lord, send me, you know, it could be something small, but it could be something big. Maybe he's, you know, if you really open yourself up and you really put yourself and make yourself vulnerable to him, to what he wants you to do, maybe it's going to require you to change jobs. Maybe it's going to require you to move, change the city that, you know, you, you never thought you might live in. Maybe it's going to get you to start serving a little more. You know, maybe it's going to put you in an uncomfortable location. Maybe, you know, Instead of serving where you've always served, maybe you're going to try something new and, and get out of that comfort zone a little bit. Maybe you're going to, you know, you know, you, like, well, I'm not good at teaching or I'm not good at speaking or I'm not good at doing these type of things, but maybe I'm going to put myself in those, those comfort zones. Maybe I'm going to teach a Bible class or maybe I'm going to teach, you know, one of these classes in the back that we have. But at this point, basically, you are putting yourself in God's hands to put you and move you and guide you to where he wants you to be, not where you think you should be, or not where you want to be. And so there's three kind of ideas to this. So there's three responses. And so this kind of prayer, um, one of the things, this is a prayer of calling, right? So when, when you're praying, send me, you're asking God that you are volunteering or you want to do something, and you're, you, know, you want to find what his calling for you is. And, we're, and there's three responses to these type of calls. When we and we, we're going to look at these in, in, in the Bible and, and how they kind of, three different responses that we've seen from three, from three different people in the Bible on God, their call. When God said, hey, I want you to do this, there's three responses we can have. The first one is Jonah's response. Most people are familiar with Jonah and the, the big fish or the whale, as we say sometimes. And his response was, <clears throat> here I am, Lord, I'm not going. And, you know, Jonah was asked to do something, and he said, okay, I'm not doing it. And we know the, what happened there. He ended up doing it eventually, but it was not an easy situation. But if we look at Jonah 1, verses 1 through 3, he says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, I was going to say how you say that, Go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has, become, has come up before me. And this is where we get it a lot of times. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. So his response was, here I am. I'm not going. I am not going to go. And how many times do we do that in our own lives? How many times do we feel God's call? Or we, you know, we pray this. A lot of times we'll pray this prayer. Lord, guide me. Send me where you want me to go. And then he tells you where he wants you to go, and you just ignore it. Or, and you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not for me. 
I think we do this a lot in, in the church. You know, it's like, here I am, Lord, I'm really, but, oh, well, I really don't want to do that. That's, that's not for me. You know, I, I don't like what you're telling me to do, and so I'm not going to do it. And then we pay the consequences of not doing that. I mean, Jonah, he got to spend three days in the belly of a fish, which would not have been nice at all. Would have been pretty nasty. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that happens to us in our lives a lot of times, too, is when we refuse to do the things that God calls us to do, <clears throat> we end up, in a lot of bad situations when we, when we don't do those things. So, so that's the first response that we get. You know, it's like, like, Lord, please send me. But then when the Lord kind of pushes you or guides you to where you want to go, you're like, no, nah, I don't really want to do that. I'm ignoring that one. I'm not, I'm not going. Or we run away. We run away from the Lord. And when we, as we run away, that's when our lives will really get into a mess <clears throat> and problems. The second response that we can have to God's calling is Moses' response. The Lord, you know, Mo, Lord came to Moses to have him free his people. And Moses' response says, here I am, Lord, send someone else. You know, I, I'm here, Lord, but I, I don't want to do it. I have so-and-so over here do it. And we see that in Exodus 3, verses 10 through 11. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And this conversation continues on, and eventually he sends Aaron to go with him to help him out. But how many times is this our response when we, in the church, and in, in, in our response to God when he pushes us or guides us to do things, is, here I am, Lord, send someone else. You know, and, and there's a lot of excuses that we'll use around. It's like, well, I don't have time to do this. So-and-so over there has plenty of time. You know, send that person over there to do this. You know, they have plenty of time to do it. They can do it. Or, you know, I know I should give more, but so-and-so over there has a whole lot more money than I do, and so they kind of make up for what I should be, should, be, should be given to the Lord. Or I know that I'm supposed to be evangelistic and invite people to church, but that's what we pray the preacher to do, so you know, we'll let him take care of that and, and do that. Or, I know they need teachers, but, you know, so-and-so over there is a teacher. Let that person teach and, and be the teacher. Or, you know, I, I'm not that good at it, so we, we come up with the excuses that I know, I know, but there's someone else who's better at it or is more qualified to do it or, you know, and so we, we point and say, oh, there's so all these people over here who can do it. And so that's our response is, Lord, send someone else. I don't want to be responsible for doing that. I'm not comfortable for doing that. And so this is one of those areas that we need to get out of because we, one of the things we've got to do, especially if we're going to pray this prayer, here I am, send me, we've got to get comfortable not being in our comfort zone. We've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I know that's hard sometimes, but the more you do it, the, the more comfortable you get with things, and you'll grow and you'll get closer to God. The third response is, here I am, send me. And we're going to look at this, if you look in Isaiah 6, and we're going to actually go back and look at most of, or a lot of Isaiah, but if you look in Isaiah 6, verse 8, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. 
So what's the one thing that Isaiah here that he did not ask? Or not the one thing, the many things I can say. The Lord says here, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah just says, I'll go. Send me. What do we typically do? If someone says, hey, I need someone to go somewhere, what are we going to usually do? Make excuses? Ask a lot of questions. There we go. He didn't say, well, when, when do I get to go? When is this going to happen? Yeah, I need to make sure it fits into my time schedule. I need to make sure I'm not busy. He didn't say, where are you sending me? You know, I want to make sure it's a nice, comfortable place or somewhere that's going to be friendly or, 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 or beautiful or you know, those type of things. You know, what, he didn't ask, what are you going to have me say? He didn't, he didn't ask all these questions to make sure that it fit his level of comfort so, you know, to where he was okay. The Lord said, I need someone to go, and Isaiah says, send me. I'm willing to go. Didn't ask a lot of questions no matter what. And so the idea here, and, and if you look, and we're going to go back through all of Isaiah 6 and, and look at this, is he just volunteered. The, Lord, the, the God spoke, said, I need someone, and without hesitation, Isaiah said, send me. Now, how do we get to this point, or do we get here to where basically the idea, and we sing this song, I surrender all. Isaiah here has basically surrendered everything to the Lord without knowing anything of what he was going to have to do or what was going to involve it. And there's, so there's, there's three areas. If you go back and you look at the, the three things that Isaiah experienced just in this short, you know, just at chapter 8 or verse 8 in this, this doesn't just happen, right? You don't just wake up one day as a Christian and say, oh, Lord, I'm willing to go no matter what. There, there, there has to be something that builds you up to this. You don't, you don't become 100% involved, I surrender all, just, just like that for no reason. And, and then we're going to look at this coming up through Isaiah 6, of the three things that he experienced that led him to being willing to say, you know what, Lord, no questions asked, I'm willing to go, send me. And this, we'll look at these three real quick here. The first one is a genuine experience with the presence of God. A genuine experience with the presence of God. If you look in Isaiah 6, verse 1, in the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The key word here, we're going back to a genuine experience with the presence of God, so he was called up, verse 6, I saw the Lord. So he saw the Lord. And, and to, to see this, he, he's actually seeing God in heaven. And if you read through the, the, the next couple of verses, you see that he sees God being worshipped uh, in heaven by angelic beings. And he was in the presence, the very presence of God, and that changed him. Being in the presence of God changes you. Changes everyone, no matter who they are or, or what they are. And so the question sometimes that I would ask here is, why is it that you are not available to God? You know, we, we, we pray the prayer, send me, or I'm sorry, I am, here I am, but then we're not available a lot of times to, to say, send me. And maybe it's because we're not really experiencing the actual presence of God. 
I, I try to think, and I try, as I was going through this and, and working on this, I tried to think of a time where I felt like I actually felt the presence of God. And there, there's been some times during worship, especially you know, during, a, during a really just, I guess, intense worship service. One of the ones I think of is uh, back around Thanksgiving, we had our, our prayer service here. When we just, all we did was pray and, and, and sing some worship songs. I would probably say of all the worship services that I've been to, that was one that I would, could say I truly experienced the presence of God in, in, a, in a room or in a building. Um, but ex- experiencing that presence of God, it, it changes you. It's, it's what's going to make you, push you to want to wanna do what God says. And so the idea here is when you draw near, and God, and, and God teaches this and the Bible teaches this, when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. And so, you know, if, we, if we're not close to God or have a close experience with God or presence with God, then, then that's our fault because we're not doing the things we need to do because he says is, is if we try to draw near to him or if we do draw near to him, then, then it's good. So how many of you have sought him out, really sought him out? Now, one of the things we've been talking about in this is, is prayer, meaningful prayer, not just your basic, you know, sit down at the table and say the same prayer every time for lunch, dinner, and breakfast, not just your typical repetitive prayers every single night. You know, they, it needs to be a meaningful, deep prayer that gets you into the presence of God, asking God to come in and to, you know, not saying he doesn't listen to our prayers, but, you know, if we just say the same thing over and over, it kind of loses meaning. It kind of, you know, if there, there's not, a, there's not a, a meaningful, it becomes a habit. It just becomes a rut. Go ahead. The Bible warns against, you know, root prayers and, you know, just long prayers that say the same thing over and over again yep. because they do lose their meaning in a sense because you're just kind of repeating something. Yep. It's not really coming from your heart anymore. You're just like, oh, Father, our heaven, blah, 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 you know, you go on through this whole thing, that's all you say, and then you kind of get to it all off over here now. Yep. You have to really stop sometimes and, and empty yourself in a sense Yep. when you want to pray. What Steve just mentioned was, you know, the Bible warns about just a, a, a repetitive type prayer of just saying the same thing over and over again. And it does, it, it draws you, you, because if you just sit and you do the same thing repeatedly, it almost becomes, you have muscle memory, right? And the same thing with, with your brain. You can, you can actually be saying something and not be focused on it at all. Just, just wording it, mouthing it, completely focusing. And I, and I do that a lot of times. I, one of my biggest problems when I'm praying is, I'll start praying about something, and then I'll start thinking about what I'm praying about, and then I'll, my mind will wander, and you, know, and you have to come back around to, to where you were. And that, that, can, that can be difficult. But sitting down and, and, and getting in his presence through prayer, and then the other way is through his word, right? Reading the Bible. This is one of the areas. Prayer and, and reading of his word are probably the, the two, the easiest and the best ways to get into the presence of God. It is to, to get down and just read and study his word and not just sit down. Same thing with prayer. Not just sit down and kind of read a chapter real quick and put it to the side. Sit down and read it and listen to the words. Study the words. You know, and if, 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 you, if you're comfortable enough with, with concordances and, and, and background stuff, and this is one thing I like to do is I like to dive into it and then I go back and, and just really research what I'm reading because that gives you a, a, an understanding of really what was going on and some of the meanings behind what, was, what is being taught and, and written there. And so the idea around here, if you truly experience his presence, you will be transformed. 
you will be transformed and it will put you in a situation where you're willing to say, here I am, Lord, send me, no questions asked. All right, so the second one, the second thing that he would need to, you, you need to experience to be, to be here, and we see this in Isaiah, is a genuine awareness of your sinfulness. I think this is probably one of the biggest lies that we have in, in the church, and I, I mean society for sure, but I think this has even creeped into the, the church as well, is that, you know, I'm a, I'm a good person. Right? I'm not that bad. I don't, I don't sin too much. All right? I'm not as bad as so-and-so over here. You know, I, I, you know, especially I'm not near as bad as so-and-so who doesn't come to church and, and doesn't do these things. But here's the, here's the truth, and it's the hard truth. Without God, Christ, none of us are good people. Every single one of us without Christ, we're, we're evil. Our, our, our leaning is toward being sinful. And so there's none of us who are, are what we call good. And we looked at that a couple weeks back, I think it was in Jeremiah, where he talks about none being good, all being evil. And so the idea around here is when you're in the holy presence of God, you really see how wicked you are. And how sinful you are. So you 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 sit and you know, and you see this in almost any example of where Christ or God appeared to someone in the Bible. They immediately went into just almost a prone position of I'm not worthy to be in your presence because of how evil I am, or how bad I am, or you know. And so we see this in Isaiah in verse five. He says, "Woe to me!" I cried, "I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips." And I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. So just seeing God in His presence in heaven, immediately for him, he realized how unclean, he puts it in his word, he is. And the, being in the presence of God makes you realize that you are, a, basically makes you aware of your sinfulness. And this is where we, I think we need to, to to, to work back some a little bit and realize, you know, we, well, I, we, we kind of make excuses for a lot of our sinfulness, right? It's like, well, it's not that bad. It was a little white lie, you know. We like to harp on a lot of the things, and this is where I'm going to dive into. We like to harp on the things we know we don't do, right? You know, a lot of some of the stuff out in the world that we may not agree with, it's real easy for us to hop on that train and to, to protest those things. But you know what? If we come into the church and maybe talk about lust or obesity, not obesity, but gluttony, those type of things, you know, we don't want to talk about that, right? <laughs> you know, I don't think Dad's ever done a, a sermon on gluttony when we've had a, uh, um, a potluck meal. <laughs> you know, so it's, this is where we have to realize a lot of times we like to, to, to deflect our sinfulness onto, well, uh, you know, we may do these things that are sinful in, in the church, or we may do some of these things that are sinful, but hey, it's not near as bad as what's going on out there. We need to focus on that, not what we're doing. You know, and so we need to look in ourselves and really get in the presence of God, and when we do, we will see our sinfulness, and we'll want to change that, and, and you'll see that here. And so the third thing that really gets us to where it puts us into a position of, look, here I am, send me, is a genuine understanding of God's grace. And I, I really think sometimes we miss the mark on this one. I think a lot of times we 
still lean towards a lot of ideas of we still kind of pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We kind of, you know, well, look what I did for the Lord. Look what I'm, you know, I'm doing. And then we got to realize that nothing we do gets us to where we can be saved. Right? It's God's grace that covers us and allows us to be saved and gives us the opportunity to be saved. And so we, we've got to really get into that understanding. And, and this is what I like about verses uh, 6 and 7. So right after he says, look, I got unclean lips, I am imperfect, you know, I'm ruined, I'm in, before God. Then in verse 6 and 7, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken out of the tongs, tongs from the altar. When he touched it, with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, as and your sin is atoned for. And this goes to the symbolism of him, you know, basically talking about un, unclean uh, or, or unclean lips and and the things. And this also is a a precursor to what Christ is going to do for us as it come. And then when we come in contact with Christ, you know, these are the same things. Our 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 guilt can be taken away. Our sins are atoned for. So it's a, it's a precursor to what of what Christ is going to do for us. <clears throat> but he he touches him with this altar from this this <coughs> excuse me this coal from the altar and uses it the the heat you know to, to sear and to and to get away and clean out uh the, the, all his sins and so this is one of those things i think we need to go back to a lot of times and remember god's grace and, you know even though we're not perfect even though you know, we're going to sin on a daily basis god still forgives us for what we do now we obviously don't go and, and sin on purpose and and do things on purpose that we shouldn't be doing but this allows us knowing, you know, we, we get in the presence of God and, you know, that changes us. We know when we're in the presence of God, we, we need to be aware of our sinfulness. But then thirdly, if we're aware of the grace that God covers us with through Christ, then that sets us on a path of, you know what, I am these things. You know, I'm in the presence of God. This is going to change me. Yes, I am a sinner. I'm sinful, but God's got me covered. And therefore, now I can go and I can give everything to him because he's covered me. And I can, without hesitation, say, you know what, Lord? Send me. Send me out to do you know, these things. So, and we see all these things in Isaiah. And it's just six short, short verses. And you see, you, you see this rapid progression of him going through these things. And I, and I think that's what, you know, you're in the presence of God. And, and he does this stuff for you, and he's like, you know, you know whenever you see, he sees you and you see him and you're in his presence that you're not worthy, but yet he comes and says, you know what? You're forgiven. You have no guilt. You don't do anything, right? You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. But he still forgives you anyway. And so it's, that's an interesting look, I think, on, on, the, on the three things that I think can push us towards being able to pray that prayer and do that, here, you know, here I am, Lord, send me. Send me to do the things that you want, want to do or that you want me to do. And so the question then is why do most Christians not pray this prayer? And a lot of people are going to say, well, Chad, that's not fair. How do you know most Christians don't say that prayer? 
Well, maybe you don't say that prayer exactly like that. But how many of us really don't pray the prayer or think the thought or, or do the, the area or what we call the Great Commission, and that's send me? And I can say I know we don't pray this prayer because, huh? Because of our fruit. Like, all right? You know, and I've gone through a lot of statistics, and this is one of them that, that I hold to. And if you look in the church today, in Christendom today, people who identify themselves as being Christians and go to church in a, on a regular basis, 95% of them have never won a soul to Christ. So you look at all of Christianity, in the latest research that they did, I think this was 2018, only 5% of people who they interviewed and spoke with, and it was, it was several thousand, only 5% of them had actually converted someone to Christ, won a soul to Christ. Most of them were probably preachers and, you know, a few what they would call your, your radical members, right? And so the idea here is we are not really praying this prayer. And if we are praying this prayer, we are doing the first two responses to it. And that is, I'm not going to do it. I'm not comfortable doing that. And I've heard people say that. I've heard people say, I'm not comfortable going and speaking to someone about this. I'm not going to do it. I'll, I'll serve or try to do something somewhere else. Or we say, you know what, send, send someone else, right? I, I'm, you know, I, I would like to, but I don't feel comfortable, or I just wouldn't be very good at it, or I don't know. I mean, all the excuses, and then we say, well, send the preacher. That's his job. And, and I know that I've seen that a hundred times, if not more, of, Dad, you know, someone coming to Dad, I've been there when it's happened, someone coming to Dad and saying, hey, I got this neighbor, I need you to go talk to him about coming to Christ. And luckily, Dad's response is, well, why don't you do that? You know, what influence am I going to have? The guy doesn't know me at all, but you've been his neighbor for 20 years, so do you, who do you think is going to have more of an influence? And so we need to make sure that we're, that we're, we're doing this, and if we're going to pray this prayer, that we're following up with it. And the idea around this prayer, too, is it doesn't have to be a huge gesture, right? It doesn't have to be, Lord, send me to, you know, China to be a missionary, those type of things. It doesn't have to be those type of prayers. It can be small things. It doesn't have to be a huge thing or a huge gesture that we put out there to, for, for God to send us. Now, who knows? You may pray that prayer, Lord, send me, and maybe that's where he wants you to do, and maybe he, that's the direction he pushes you in. But I don't think overnight you're going to go, Lord, send me, and then the next morning you're going to wake up and be ready to go to China. That's, that's usually not how, or, or whatever mission field, that's not how it goes. Work on just the small things. You know, maybe it's, Lord, send me to serve in a classroom. You know what, I'm not comfortable teaching yet, but let me serve and help a teacher in a classroom and get ready and, get under, and learn how to teach and, and see how, how teaching's done. Maybe it's, you know, just... Praying, Lord, send me to go out in the world every day and have a, a just change, you know, have an opportunity to make a difference in someone's life. Or to have an opportunity to speak to them. You know, Lord, put someone in front of me every day that I can talk to about Christ and invite them to church and just, and just invite them. Those type of things. Maybe it's, you know, just help someone. Lord, give me the opportunity to help someone who's struggling. Let me, I see someone over here out here who's struggling, who needs my help. Let me help them. So, this is, like I said, this is not a prayer of, well, I'm going to come out and, Lord, send me to do this big thing that, you know, that goes, it doesn't have to be that. It can just be the idea of, you know, 
let me do these little small things for people. Let me go out into the world and make a difference in people's lives. Let me make a difference in the, the people's lives of the church. Let me, you know, however you can use me, send me out. And I will, I will almost guarantee that the little things, all these little small things that you do, are going to be bigger and more, and more impactful than the one big thing, right? Going and doing the one thing. Frankie. This season where we're staying home more, you have a better opportunity to be more neighborly to people you usually not neighborly yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so Frankie said, you know, in this opportunity that we're at, you know, we're all kind of stuck at home for the most part, probably seeing a little bit more of our neighbors, you know, and, but even, even not just your next neighbor, but it does give you the opportunity to be more neighborly to people. It gives us the opportunity. I think one of the good things about this, and maybe this was one of the, will be one of the blessings and side effects of this, is it has caused everyone to slow down. Everyone's had to slow down and almost come to a stop. And, and you have to spend, not have to, but you get to spend time with your family. You, you know, you, 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 I see a lot more pictures and stuff on social media of people you know, outside taking walks together, families taking walks together. I see a lot more of you know, people playing board games together. I think there's only so much TV you can watch. And, and so you see the family spending more time together and, and doing those things. You see a whole lot more people reaching out and, and helping each other. You know, people benefiting each other. They're donating money, donating their goods, donating their time. Whatever they, you know, a lot of people have a lot of free time now, so they're donating that time to whatever they can to, to help people, other people out. I saw, um, oh, where was it? I think it was back in, a friend of mine back in, I want to say Kansas, I could be wrong. But he, he, he volunteered, said, you know what, I don't have anything to do. He said if there's anyone out there who's elderly or, 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 or down and just doesn't have, can't like mow their lawns, take care of the yards, or have some you know, work around the house that needs to be done, I'll do it for free. I'll volunteer just because they want, you know, this, look, look, I'm not working. I'm not doing anything. This gives me the opportunity. And so you're seeing a lot of things like that where people are stepping up and, and, and doing, no, I'm sorry, it was back in West Virginia in Nitro, um, a friend of mine who was, who was doing that. And so the good is coming in. You know, sometimes we focus on the negative when we focus on the, the bad things that happen in situations like this, but there's a lot of good that is coming out of this. And so we have the opportunity a little bit more to, to say, Lord, send me. Right? And I, I think it's, I, I'll see some of the, the quotes. Is we're learning what's essential in our life. The, the big word that we hear now is essential, right? What's essential? And we're seeing the things that are essential in our lives right now. You know, sports. TV shows, um, some of the things that we normally would we do and get in the rut of, we're realizing, you know, those things are not that essential. Here are the things, we're seeing the things that are essential, the, the places, the job, people that still have the jobs, those type things, we're seeing what's essential. So I think if we, if we get to, to pray this prayer, Lord, send me, and we focus on just the small thing. I talked about this last week when... You know, on the, on, the, on the break me side. It's not, Lord, come and just completely destroy me and break me down, but maybe it's, you know, help me break this thing, break from this thing, or may, help me break from, from all this, this thing, this other thing that's hindering me in my life. Break me from these things. And so it's the same thing with this prayer here of send me. <coughs> Excuse me. It doesn't have to be the big push for, for something huge. It could be the small things, and those small things add up and, a, and a, a ton of small things become a lot more important than the one big thing. And then the other thought around this is this is not a one-time prayer. 
And none of these prayers are one-time prayers, right? These are not things you just pray one time and go on. These need to be part of your daily prayer life. It needs to be something you pray when you get up every morning or when you go to bed or whenever your prayer time is. Is to, you know, pray this prayer, Lord, send me. I'm willing to go where you want me to go and do what you want me to do. I surrender all. And if we can do that, if we can get to where we pray this prayer, it gets easier. The more, you know, we, we get on, it's going to be uncomfortable at first, but the more you do something, the more you get into it, the more comfortable it becomes. And so that, that's my thought, and that's my, my idea there around that is, as you go into the world every day, and well, right now we're not going out into the world for the most part. Some of us are. But pray that prayer in the morning. You know, when, I, when I, you get up, say, Lord, send me out in the world today let me make an impact on someone's life. Let me, let me be someone who, you know, I can change someone's life or be an influence in their life. Steve? You know, a lot of times, I'm thinking about prayers like that, right? I focus some, a lot on other things, other people. But you sometimes have to think about, it, it sounds kind of selfish in a way, but it's not. You have to pray about things for you to do. Yep. Or about you sometimes. And not, not in a selfish way, but in a way like you're talking about. You know, Lord, you know, help me to be better at this or help me do that. that instead of always focusing on, you know, be with this person, that cancer, this, that, you know. You sometimes you have to think about the other aspect of prayer. It's not selfish. No. It's, it's strengthening you to be better out in the world. And so what, what Steve mentioned was, you know, our prayers need to be sometimes about us, but strengthening ourselves, making, you know, uh, you know not just praying for others out there, but praying for yourself to make yourself you know, improve me to be better at doing this and so I can and do this. And I think that's the right thing to do because it's not going to do you any good if you pray for a lot of other people and, and pray for it, but you don't work on yourself as well. You're not going to be you're not going to be equipped to go out and do what you need to do or be where you need to be in order to help others and to to do the things or to bring them along. And so and I think that goes, you know, if you look a lot at a lot of these prayers and the, the prayer that we're trying to get to here is, is getting away from now. There's nothing wrong when we should pray these prayers. There's nothing wrong with praying for the sick and praying for, you know, you know, for you have to, to, to get well and for others to get well and for you to have a good day and, and those type of things. There's nothing wrong with those prayers. But I think <clears throat> there needs to be a little bit of a, a but, you know, on that. It's like, let, you know, I want these things to happen, but Lord, you know, we, we pray the, the prayer, your will be done. But that's a broad prayer. You know, if we break it down and, and pray these things of, you know, make me bold. Like, you know what, Lord, I know it's not going to be, I say God, guard, and direct me, make my life easy. But we know, the Bible says we know, that the, that, that the world's not going to be easy. It's going to be a hard place to live in. And as the closer you get to God this, and, and the more of a Christian you become, the more, I guess, friction, the more, you know, it's going to be more difficult. It's not, and it's not going to be easy. You know, we see that when we become Christians. And so we need that prayer of boldness, to be bold when we go to good death. Prayer in earnest and really mean it. It changes our perspective because if you're asking God to send you to the lost, then all of a sudden the people in your life, you're going to view them differently. Mm -hmm. The person that struck up a conversation with you at the gas station, was that coincident? Was that happenstance? Or did God place them there because you're praying that, that he leads you to souls that need to be saved? And, and all of a sudden, you begin to see things a whole lot different by that way, you know? 
um, I, you don't see things that just happening or just coincident. You know, it's, it's actually, you see God working. Yeah. Because that's the prayer you're praying. Yeah. And if we're going to pray and ask God to do it, we've got to expect that he's going to do it. Yes, exactly. And that's that's the, the thing around this. And then the, the, I like the examples of the difference. You know, we have people, and all three of these pe- people that we see that we use for examples in the Bible today, they were committed you know they were they were Christians. They were they were followers of God. But Jonah's you know Jonah in his example, he was going. That was a horrible place to go to. And so he was like, you know what, I'm not doing that. And and, and so and then same thing with Moses. Moses, you know, you, you're going to get up and, and try to get in. You're going to get in front of the the strongest, most powerful man in the world at that time, and you're going to tell him, yeah, you need to let my people go. You know, you, you know who are you to stand up and say? So there's an understanding of it wasn't that they they didn't have, I'll say they didn't have faith, but it wasn't that they, you know, weren't committed to Christ, they just weren't committed enough. They didn't, they hadn't gotten to that point of surrendering all to God and trusting Him to protect you. So, that's, you know, that's that's where we, we need to get into that, the mode of Isaiah, of, you know what, send me, I'm surrendered, and then, yes, like Dad said, we, we your perspective will be completely different when you go out in the world, and you do... You know that per that random person just happens to come up and talk to you that you have no clue who, or you you're put in a situation of being able to help someone, and and taking advantage of that situation to be able to invite them to to church and those type of things. So, verse two with with Jonah and Moses, when they finally surrendered their will to God and went, look at the positive result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is a good point. You know, when they they eventually did surrender, it took a little bit of a, a kick for Jonah and Moses. It you know, required a little bit of help, but you know, eventually he went. And, and those are the things that we got to look at. You know, look at how positive the the result is from from what happens when we actually go out and do what God asks us to do, and He sends us. the 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 result is a whole. And you know, there may be some temporary pain. There may be some some discomfort through the process, but the end result is a whole lot better. And if we don't do what God has asked us to do. So, so those are the, the six prayers or the, the six dangerous prayers um, that we're looking at. I don't have a solid um, class or our, our theme for, the, for my next class. I, I believe in what I'm looking at right now is I'm going to continue on this, um, this idea of send me. One of the, one of the things when we, when we first started a class about a year ago, there was a lot of questions on or, or comments on how do I reach someone? How do I, how do I do, how do I, you know, how do I have the conversation with someone? How do I bring someone to Christ? Those type of, of questions. So I think I'm going to spend a week or two on, on, on looking at that, on, you know, what it takes and what, what it should look like for us. I think sometimes we think it needs to be, I need to be this expert just, you know, almost like a used car salesman type person, you know, who can just sell Christ to people. And, and it's not that way. I mean, if you, if you try to sell Christ to people that way, it's not going to be effective. And, and so I, the idea is, you know, if we're going to pray this prayer, especially this last one of send me, this is, this is ultimately the Great Commission. This is the one thing that God commanded us to do is to go out and, and bring. We, we're supposed to be doing it. And we see right now in the church that is a big problem. It's not happening. And it's not happening on a on a very high scale, and so I think if maybe we can look at this prayer of send me, and then we're kind of maybe keep that in our our, our train of thought of our in our minds, and then continue that on through a couple classes, 
then we can see and look for and know what those opportunities might look like and how to respond in the, those opportunities. And, and the biggest thing, and, and this is one of those things that I talk about, is if we pray this prayer of God send me to do these things, he's not just going to throw you out there and not give you any guidance. And that, that's one of the things I think sometimes I see the pushback of, well, I'm just not real good at talking to people or I'm not good at, at, at talk, you know, <clears throat> doing these things. And one of the things that I've always seen is if you ask God, to do this and you go out and try to do it he is going to help you he, you know he, he's going to give you the the right time and the right place and the right opportunity to do these things and so that they'll work out and it's not just going to be you out on your own but i think that's kind of the continuation i don't have a name for it or or, or exactly what it's going to be but i think it's going to be a continuation of um than me i hope y'all have enjoyed this um six lessons on danger i enjoyed it it's opened my eyes to a lot of things and and one of the things I've learned is the more I the teach, the more I learn. So I really enjoy this stuff. So we will start back here in about 10 minutes uh, with worship. Thank you, everyone.